I wonder what sort of world do you live in? And how can you live well in that world? There's a reference in the Bible to a family, a, a group in Israel's history called the Sons of Issachar. They're referenced at a time when King David is building a kingdom, a government, layers of national leadership. It's a time of change and transition where the nation had shifted from tribal leadership under the judges to a unified national leadership from a capital city under a king. And it says of these sons of Issachar, their value, their place on the team for David was that they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. They understood the times they were living in and they knew what Israel should do in response to the times. The sons of Issachar were able to understand and articulate in some distinct, unique and valuable way um, the world in which they were living and importantly, how to respond to that world, how to live well in that world. Now, if you do any sort of academic study of the ancient world or some ancient text or let, let's say you do New Testament studies at degree level or beyond, you will spend a lot of time looking at people groups of the past and trying to work out what the world was like for them. What, what did they believe? How did they structure society? What were relationships like in families and between different families? Who had the power in that society? And then you can use that construction of the world to better understand the text that you're reading. So just as a little example, a little aside, in, in Matthew 12, um, 46, Jesus is teaching, is healing, and his mother and brothers come along and they want him to stop what he's doing and they want him to speak to them. When Jesus ignores them and almost denies them in, in order to prioritise the mission that the Father God had called him to, well, in a world where being shamed was everything, and, and maximising honour was, was everything, was your highest priority. This would have been outrageous, shocking. We, we can't quite understand Jesus' actions here fully without understanding the world, the culture, the context of honour and shame in which those actions happened. But what about us today? Do we know the sort of culture, the sort of world in which we live like the sons of Issachar? Have we taken the time to discern how, how our world has shifted? And have we taken time to consider what it might look like to live well in this current cultural moment in which we find ourselves? So here is my um, analysis of the world in which I find myself. It, it may well describe and articulate your world too. My current cultural moment is one shaped by crisis. The world that I find myself living in has shifted 
in recent years to one where the major narrative is that of crisis. I wonder if that describes your world too. Of course, this has not always been the case for me. I'm, I'm 45 years old, believe it or not, and uh, I would say that the first maybe 40 years of my life or so living in the UK, they've largely been characterised by peace and stability. Now, my mum, she's 88, a total legend. Her early years were disrupted by war. She was put on a train sent from the city to live in the countryside. For years after the war, food was restricted and rationed. But that's not been my lived experience. I've lived in a time where I've been able to work and buy a house and have a pension plan. Uh, growing up for me, well, I was a frequent flyer to the emergency rooms, but I received exceptional free health care. For many of us, despite what the newspapers have told us, the reality is that we have lived for many years in a place and in a time that has been incredibly safe and stable. But I think there's been a bit of a shift. Whether that's a real shift or a perceived shift, a shift has taken place. And the dominant narrative that many of us live under the primary story that sort of sits in our subconscious is one of crisis. The big obvious shift was a global pandemic, COVID disruption. Why are we still talking about it? Well, the impact, the trauma, the grief of that is still present and may well continue to be present until we deal with it. An unprecedented crisis entered this world and disrupted our world. For us as the UK, we then went through something called Brexit. Do you remember that? We divorced from Europe. We did that with the promise of greater freedom and financial growth. But as yet, it's hard to see any evidence of that as, as a nation we already really struggled with a healthy sense of national identity, but I think it's hard to see, as things are, how that might be addressed and resolved in a healthy way. Of course, then there's climate change. Climate change for some has become the number one crisis facing humanity. We, we've had decades of education and awareness and action, limited action to address some of the climate issues facing our planet. But perhaps it's not surprising in this present cultural moment, one where the narrative is around fear and crisis, perhaps it's not surprising that environment has become an amped up, emotive, divisive issue, a crisis. There's some evidence to suggest that that the narrative in schools and in the media around climate change is leading a younger generation to experience climate anxiety, eco-anxiety, and that in turn is contributing to a mental health crisis. A mental health crisis, another crisis that we face in society. And we could talk about the massive rise in fuel costs, food costs, mortgage rates, the ongoing invasion of Ukraine 
by Russia. The list just goes on and on. And it's not that there hasn't always been stuff. There's always been wars and famine and disasters throughout the world. Of course there has. And, and please do hear me right here in my heart. I, I, I am deeply concerned about these things. I, I don't want by listing them to make them seem flippant. We, we face massive issues as society. But what I'm saying is this, that that if you, like me, have experienced a shift, if you sense a change, if you think, do you know what, um, life used to feel a little bit more stable and predictable and peaceful and a bit more under my control, and now I, I live in a world where the, the dominant narrative that is in front of me, that, that, that sits in my subconscious, is one of uncertainty and crisis, if there's any truth for all, in that, then what do we do? How do we respond to that? As, as Christians, as good news people, do we just bury our heads in the sand and hope that it's all going to blow over soon? Maybe Russia will pull out of Ukraine. Maybe the cost of living will go down. Maybe someone will discover some amazing clean energy solution for all. Maybe our politicians will get some morals and backbone. Maybe I'll be able to afford eggs if they're on the shelf. Well, maybe, maybe. I really do pray that will be so. Maybe you're watching this in a few years' time and you're experiencing unprecedented peace and prosperity and stability. I really hope so. Uh, and please don't stone me as a false prophet if it doesn't play out in the way that I'm talking about today. But we are good news people. We have Jesus. We are woven into a better story, a better narrative that frees us from fear. And I believe that through the Holy Spirit, we can be like the sons of Issachar. We can understand the time, the moment that we are in. And we can know what to do. We can work out what sort of world it is that we are living in today and how we might live well in that world. And so what I want to do is just to offer you some simple ideas to press into, things that I've learned, things that I've learned from Christians, from God's people from around the world, in particular Christians who have lived in unstable places at unstable times, Christians who have learned how to live well, to live as God intended when the world all around them, when their context is unstable and extremely challenging. And the first thing is this. It's about what I would call choosing your narrative. Choosing your narrative. It's about working on making God's story, the gospel narrative, the loudest dominant story in your life. And so it's about spending enough time in the good news of Jesus that it really soaks into us and shapes us. I think it's unlikely that the narrative that we will get from the media will anytime soon shift away from fear or from crisis. They used to say 10, 20 years ago that of advertising that sex sells. 
But if sex sells, fear grips us. It keeps us coming back for more. Apparently, newscasters use the, the saying these days, if it bleeds, it leads. That's your top story. We just can't get enough of the bad news. And so we have to keep coming back to the good news of Jesus, the gospel message. And I think we have to learn how to preach that gospel message to ourselves, to our souls and to one another in all that we do to get that better story deep into our subconscious, deeper into our souls. And as we do so, I believe we are liberated from fear. That's the power of narrative. You might even want a period of fasting the bad news in order to help you break through into that better narrative. So number two, predictable patterns what I call predictable patterns. You know, in a shifting world, in a world that feels outside of our control, we can build predictable, consistent routines into our lives. I have no control over the price of fuel. I have no control over Putin and Russia. But I can get up and start every day reading God's word. I can steadily and consistently over days and weeks and months and years and decades, I can work through God's story again and again. And I'm talking about something far more powerful here than randomly and occasionally dipping into your Bible. I'm talking about the sort of confidence that comes through consistency. Really deeply getting to know who God is and how he works for his people throughout generations and generations as we gaze at him in his word daily through the whole of the Bible. I would say the same of prayer. Predictable patterns of prayer. You know, it's, it's good, it's wonderful to shoot up little arrow prayers wherever you are, whenever you're whatever you're doing, wherever you are, but in an unpredictable and changing world, there's incredible power in consistent, I'm going to say almost liturgical prayer. All godly, mature, stable, secure Christians that I know do this. They've discovered this. They've developed a pattern, a formula of prayer that they follow nearly always at the start of each day. Whether that be the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for prayer. For me, um, over recent years, I've used the priestly prayer of number 622. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. I use the elements of that prayer as a springboard into praying for my family. I'm praying for my spiritual family, my church, predictable patterns. I, I actually think consistency and faith are linked together. Finally, commitment to community. Commitment to community. As Christians, gathering regularly in small groups is one of the most powerful things that we can do. Now, this might be a bit controversial to say this, so don't quote me, but I'm not sure it really is down to what you do in the group. It's not about whether you use the group for mission or Bible study or prayer, as important as those things are. It's more about consistency of relationship. 
It's more about what the New Testament calls fellowship, a kononia, a spiritual family. You see, those sorts of groups, being committed to those sorts of groups, have placed deep in my subconscious, deep down in my soul, the knowledge that if disaster hits, if I ever find myself in crisis, if something happens to me or to my family, something out of my control, I have a spiritual family. I have a handful of people who have got my back. I've got people who will cook meals for me and my family, who will visit me if I'm sick in hospital, who will offer me financial support if I need it. And believe me, when I say that, that's because I've experienced it from people that I've been in community with. And I like to think I've contributed that to the lives of others. I think as Christians these days, we can tend to approach our faith as like a therapeutic self-help thing, an individualistic thing, you know, feeling a bit down today, not feeling great today. I'm going to go to the gym or take a yoga class or shopping. Maybe I'll have a takeaway tonight, maybe Chinese, maybe Indian. I don't know. I'm, Maybe I'll read the Bible. Maybe I'll go to church. That'll pick me up. And, you know, I'm not saying those things are bad things to do, but in, in an unchanging world, in an uncertain world, the power, the transformation comes through community, through consistency, through commitment. These things allow us to bring order and peace and stability and a good news narrative deep into our souls. I believe that this present cultural moment that we are in in the UK, maybe in Europe, maybe in the Western world, I can't speak on behalf of those places. But I believe it's a time for us to look to and learn from our brothers and sisters in the Southern Hemisphere, in less economically developed parts of the world, the church in China, in Iran, in India, in parts of Africa and South America, believers who for decades, for generations, they've had to learn how to live well in times of uncertainty. They modeled to us the power of the gospel through predictable patterns and the priority of community. I wonder what sort of world you live in and how you can work that out and work out how to live well in that world. Coming up, coming we up, we have Conversation Street. But before we get into that, here's a clip from our podcast, What's the Story, which you can subscribe to on all your favorite podcast apps. The biggest lesson I've learned, actually, has come to me. So, I am a feeling person, and you know, like, I've explained what happened in my testimony, like, God speaks to me, like, very clearly through pictures, and mm. very clearly through, like, I can hear him, I can feel him, like, his presence. Mm. Like, that's important to me, and that's a gift. But, like, for me, I felt like I'd failed when mm. I, had a traumatic birth. I felt like my faith had failed, that it wasn't good enough. And like, I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is like, know your Bible, because some, th some lies will feel so, so true.
Welcome back to Conversation Street with myself and Anna. Uh, I was just getting engrossed in the YouTube comments there. That's why I was looking away from the screen. Uh, so <laughs> I was quite engrossed in the What's the Story comment, actually. I was I was just enjoying Beth's story and then was like, oh, we're on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just tell me more, Beth. Tell me more. Uh, if you would like to hear Beth's uh, interview in full, you can find that at whatsthestorypodcast.com uh, or you can find out more information on our website, which I'll put up on the screen there, uh, www.crowd.church. What's the Story is a great podcast. Um, I love it because we do get to talk to people about their story. And Anna, very soon you will you are going to be hosting some of the episodes, right? I'm going to be co-hosting. Yeah, I we're we're working out the kit and the technology. So yeah, yeah, that is the plan. I'm looking forward to it. Actually, Matt, I yeah, I genuinely love hearing people's stories. You know, it's one of my things. I'd like. You know, it's my background. I've worked in marketing and PR, and it's all about storytelling, really, for me. And I just, yeah, I love hearing people, people's ordinary stories, especially faith stories. So, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Me too. To- me too. Um, so, we got lots to talk about, lots of comments going on today, which is great. Nicola's just jumped yeah. on. Evening, Nicola. Welcome. Uh, and, and you love my jumper. I assume you're talking to me because I'm the only one you can see called Matt, unless you're looking at another Matt. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Matt, Matt's probably like brand. Oh, wrong way. Matt's probably branding us tonight. See that? Yeah. Crowd Church merch. Just saying, hashtag just saying that, you know. Uh, so <laughs> I do like my Crowd Church merch. Uh, so, um, yes, thank you. Uh, Matt says he'll give it £10 to what's IIT if you mention Man United. You know, Imagine if trust. Uh, yeah, IIT is imagine if trust. So Matt, it now, so you have to do it, Matt. Yeah, you have to give the money, Matt. Uh, you're obligated. So Manchester United have won, and that's ten quid to uh, Imagine If Trust, which is a charity associated with the church, which does a lot of good, actually, a lot of social outreach. So that's what Imagine If Trust is. If you don't know, yeah. um, it is you, Matt, and I do have. Yes, actually, we do. We we have done the hats in the past, Daniel. Yeah, that's right, and you you do have one. So. God bless you. God bless you. So let's jump into John's talk. Um, and as we go through, carry on writing your comments, your questions, your thoughts, your ideas uh, in here. And I wanted to start off with, uh, what did, let me just, it, Anna's just put here. Is it just me or has there been a different crisis for various parts of our history? Times change and the context of crisis change, but the tragedy of it is still the same. I thought that was a great comment. What do you think to that, Mrs. Kell? Yeah, I like that comment as well. And I think you're right. It's, um, it's true. Like, humanity has always had some form of crisis, hasn't it? Because mm. I, I think that's part of our story as humankind. Like, you know, it's part of the impact of living in a world that's still under sin, I think. You know, like, yeah. obviously, there's a story about creation and then the fall and, and how sin came into the world and broke some stuff. Um, you know, that's still being. Um, outworked and you know I know there's like we believe that Jesus came and made things right but the outworking of things being made right isn't isn't complete yet and um, yeah so I think it's absolutely right we live in a broken world and there's constantly throughout any generation there's stuff that's going wrong but equally I do agree with John for us as western kind of British Christians, I know not everyone watching is British, but like we are, aren't we? So, mm. you know, but our kind of worldview and where we're from, I think it's been harder than certainly. I know, I, would you agree, Matt? It certainly feels like this 
current sort of season we're in, the last few years, I've been tougher economically and maybe mm. perhaps emotionally than I can ever remember in my adult life. And I know I'm still only halfway through life, but certainly, you well, know, in the last so. few generations, yeah, yeah. this is the hardest point I remember ever hitting. I, probably some people who can remember, you know, hard times in the 80s, but I don't think there's been another time since then. And, mm. and and not consecutively, not one thing after another. So, yeah, yeah I think, it, it I think feel like a bit of a season of crisis. Mm, I think it's an interesting point, isn't it? Because I remember as a kid, we would have things. I remember hearing mum talk about stuff, not really understanding it, if I'm honest with you. But as an adult, you know, where I've had to have my own responsibilities, <laughs> um, I think it's, I think you're exactly right. And I think, um, I, I can't remember a time when it has been as this consistent, where it's just been one thing after another, after another, after yeah. another. We've we've weathered stuff in the past, um, but um, but yeah, it's been unrelenting, uh, which is interesting. So um, it has felt like that, and I also wonder though if we it is a bit of an echo chamber as well. Like we've always had political crisis, economic crisis, periods of like difficulty, haven't we, in different ways? Mm. Um, but I wonder. I mean, it's all been sort of one on top of the other, like you say. But I also wonder if there's an element of we have more media, more access to more information globally now than we ever have before. So I think it's also just a symptom of living in this digital age that we're in, which is amazing. Yeah. Do stuff like Crowdchurch. But also we live in this world where we have so much information at our fingertips, you know, constantly on our mobile phones and our devices that is connecting us to like crises from all over the world and mm. it's instant isn't it and it's constantly yeah, yeah. coming at you and so and it's people are debating it and talking about it and complaining on social media all the time about stuff and so perhaps it's the intensity of the way we're experiencing yeah. it it's different as well that's very true it's a very good point hashtag stuff mm. social media um yeah it's <laughs> um <laughs> i think it's very true i think it's very true so some of the things then that john talked about and um, which i thought was great the first thing he talked about was obviously um, you've got this bad news. You need to sort of, in effect, mm. preach to yourself the good news and remind yourself of, of the better news narrative that we feel like we have at Christians uh, as Christians. Mm. Um, do you do that? Do you, uh, or do you just, is that just kind of an assumed thing in the back of your head? I'm kind of curious, what does that look like for you? Uh, that's a good question. I do do it. I don't think I do it as much as I should. Like when he said that and he was like, you know, how much are we kind of spending time in God's word and, mm. you know, like with a, a different truth. And and I do wonder, you know, I as I mentioned before, I work in um, comms in the NHS. So, yeah. you know, I my day job is listening to a lot of bad news about the health system <laughs> all day, every day. And actually part of my job is to dig it out and deal with it. So, you know, I feel like Actually, I don't know if I do spend as much time in God's word getting his perspective yeah. as I do getting that kind of negative perspective that the media constantly peddles. Part of that is my job and background and stuff. But it is it did challenge me because, yes, I do do it. And how it looks to me is spending time in God's word and praying about things that worry me. Yeah. Um, and actually, what, I've, what I'm trying to do more of is just like when I'm driving to work, when I'm cooking the dinner when I'm just doing ordinary stuff like playing some worship music or maybe a Christian podcast or a you know even a talk mm. like this bring it back um and just trying to fill this those small times where I could just be thinking about nothing or listening to some rubbish actually trying to fill those times with more of God yeah 
grief. And so yeah. I think I've been recently, it's been like, it looks a lot like that, like taking those cracks of time and making sure that, you know, I could just listen to Radio 1 or I could listen to a Christian worship album on the way to work and yeah. just making those choices to fill my mind when I can with truth. Um, yeah, so look for a lot like that, mate. Yeah, I think it's really good. Uh, the, I like that phrase, the cracks of time. Uh, very poetic. Um, yes. uh, it's very poetic. Fill the cracks of time with these amazing things. So I feel like that's what we have when you're like a parent <laughs> and, and, and you work through time and everything's just like yeah. squeeze into the cracks of my day. <laughs> it is exactly that. It's not a gap. It's a crack. It's just like but it's, like, it's like Dawn was saying, wasn't he? Like these small array prayer, like yeah. up these prayers of life's happening, and yeah, yeah. really important when we're living busy lives. Sometimes, yeah, absolutely. Especially when you've got young children. Uh, yeah, when you've got, yeah, totally. So one of the pinned questions: um, How do you define resilience? Because this is, I mean, the, this is what we call the talk, isn't it? How to be resilient when times get tough. Actually, that's what we called it for YouTube. What John was calling it was how to live well um, mm. in a world shaped by crisis. So let's talk about this idea of resilience. Let's tie all this together. Um, what does resilience mean to you? Do you think? I mean, if I was if I was defining resilience in like a sentence, I think it's the ability to bounce back. You know, that to me, yeah. emotional resilience is that ability to like, like weather that. the hard things and bounce back from them, and like, you know, not deny them, not belittle them, not pretend mm. that hard things haven't happened or painful things don't hurt. This ability to come back from them and to find God's hope even in the midst of that. Um, yeah, that, that's what it is for me in a crux. What about yeah. you? What do you? How do you sort of perceive it? Yeah, exactly. So I like that phrase to bounce back. Um, uh, I think it's a really interesting idea. Uh, Julie's put in the comments here that resilience is faith. It will be okay. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the, actually resilience and faith, I think, are quite closely aligned, aren't they? Yeah. Um, they are sort of very closely aligned. There's there's a Bible verse here in my notes. Let me let me read it out. James 1 um, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, mm. because you know that the testing of your faith, here you go, Julie, produces perseverance or resilience uh, would be a really interesting word to throw in there. Let perseverance mm. or re resilience finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Um, and I think, Julie, you're right. There's there's that element of faith, isn't it? That resilience, that trust as a Christian that actually we have. Um, we were talking about this at church this morning, actually, that God's on our side. He's in us. He's for us. Mm. Um, and so we can trust that. We can have faith in that. Like you say, not denying what's going on, but just mm. believing that somehow tomorrow I'll be able to wake up and put another step um, in front of the other one and just keep just keep at it you know just keep at it bounce back I love that um, to bounce back after the inevitable setbacks because they're going to come to all of us right so yeah um, and it, it's that ability to kind of um, yeah to kind of understand that like circumstances are hard isn't it but mm. also kind of to be able to rise above your circumstances and I think as Christians like any, anybody can have emotional resilience. You can be um, just try to be a more positive person, right? There's lots of mm. self-help that can help you do that. And lots of like, let be great, grateful, you know, be, you know, positive mm. thinking and all of that. But I think what we have that's quite unique as people of faith is that we know that the truth is that life 
isn't all about our immediate circumstances. That actually, you know, there's that that verse about like our our like momentary troubles or mm. you know creating for us. I can't remember the exact word wording, but like uh, sort of um, it's about like it, it's them all sort of like building up toward like more blessing, you know, greater blessings in heaven one day, and sort yeah. of like yeah, and it. I suppose for me, it's like trying to keep that eternal perspective that, okay, yeah. circumstances now can just really suck sometimes, can't they? <laughs> and life could be really tough. But also trying to lift my head and remember mm. an eternal perspective that, like, That's very good. these challenges are only temporary. It's mm. not the end of the story. God's story is so much bigger. He's not mm-hmm. finished yet. You know, one day all things will be made right. And I, mm. I feel like it's like that that perspective that I have to keep coming back to when life's yeah. challenging in the here and now. And I, I find myself telling myself and reminding myself that narrative again and again. And I feel like, um, yeah, there's, there's like the psalmist says, like, magnify the Lord, you know, I magnify the Lord, magnify the Lord with me. And it's, it is that thing of like, when you make God's story bigger, it, mm. it's a bit like John was saying, it actually enables your, you to get better perspective on your problems it almost like shrinks your problems and enlarges god and i feel like when you have that eternal perspective that's what it does it makes Mm. god bigger and somehow makes your circumstances feel smaller yeah it's not the end it's not the end it's not it's not permanent it's just Mm. here and now and you know that in eternity you know there's there's so much more and you know that all things mm. will be resolved, will be healed, will be made right. And mm. yeah, that really gives us a lot of hope, I think, as people of faith. It does. Here's the interesting thing, though, um, Anna, is I've been a Christian for a, a, a while. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I won't give Matt Crew any more ammunition. Um, right. We were <laughs> we were in church singing this morning um, uh, that song, Ancient of Days, uh, which I've, I just love that song and I've not heard it for a while. And um, I turned to my wife and Sharon and said, see there, God calls himself ancient of days. So, you know, being called ancient <laughs> is a good thing. And she just she just gave me that sort of wink and a smile. Type. Anyway, one of the things that I've noticed is as Christians, we hear stuff like this a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, like uh, if I draw near to God, it, I will start to see and start to see the problem through his eyes rather than mine. Mm-hmm. It, it, it changes you know my perspective i can reframe it and, and we can yeah. talk we can talk about all these things which is great but the reality of it is we've heard the talk but when it when push comes to shove actually quite often we don't do it do you know what yeah. i mean and it's it's that kind of i know to do this stuff but for some reason i don't do it and i don't i don't quite know what yeah there you go matt's calling me the other ancient of days in the comments thanks matt yeah. um so how how do you do that? How have you done that? I guess, and I guess other times when you've not done that, and you've, do you know what I mean? You've sort of paid the price a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I think, I think it. Yeah, there's definitely times where I've gotten to do it, or I know to do it, but I'm just a bit of a hoof with God because, <laughs> like, does it look the way Such I want it to? Phrase. If I'm honest, or yeah. you know, I'm just being totally honest here, or yeah, yeah. or just like I'm tired. And I can't be bothered. I know I should yeah. open my Bible. I'm just going to binge Netflix, you know, shows yeah. instead. Yeah. I think we've all done that, if we're honest, yeah, yeah. at times. Yeah, totally. like it, mm-hmm. I think the way our world is now, it's so easy to just consume passively, isn't it? And distract mm. yourself from difficulty rather That's than exactly actually 
yeah, actually turns to God and mm. and the one who's gonna change anything or able to change anything. Mm. Um, and even if your circumstances don't change, God is able to change you and change your heart yeah. and your perspective. You know, I certainly know I've never really maybe I felt momentarily better if I watched a good comedy, but I've never really, you know, I know no amount of Netflix watch, Netflix watching has or any other streaming channel for that matter when sponsored by Netflix. Um, you know, it's <laughs> not yet. Not, none of that has ever really changed my perspective or mm. changed my being a solution. It's just a short term sort of escapism, isn't it? Yeah, really? it is. I think it is. that can be my tendency that I'm just going to switch off or escape for a few hours, but actually mm. the problem's still there when you, you know, turn it off again. So, mm. yeah, I, I think that has been a tendency sometimes, but on a good day when I'm doing life better and doing this stuff well then yeah it looks like making it just looked like a choice it looked like a choice to mm. go and spend half an hour in my bible rather than watching netflix or yeah. you know to listen to that christian podcast rather than just switching mm. on you know the news and being consuming even more yeah. negativity or whatever yeah, so yeah it, to me it's actually quite often those small choices but they can be quite difficult to make when you're mm. already tired burnt out feeling down like mm. it is a real choice i think sometimes it is and this is actually where i've found um john's comments about being committed to community um mm. actually that's where life can make a big difference so yeah um if you're isolated if you just isolate yourself then yes it, it i think it's easy to binge watch netflix right it, it just genuinely is and distract yourself and we're i think we're masters in the culture at the moment of distracting ourselves and not actually mm-hmm. yeah. thinking of the problem because that requires something of us and we don't we don't want to give something we just we don't want responsibility we want someone else to solve it and so we'll just binge watch netflix um and and we and we see that a lot but i think i think this idea of community is great because the thing that i love about the church when i have been in those situations um there have been people around me that have gone, Matt, dude, come on, uh, you know, lift up your countenance, uh, as we like to say. Um, let's pray. Let's trust God. Let's let's understand God's perspective on this. Let me help you with your faith in this, that actually God's still God. He's still on the throne. Um, going to church, hearing a talk, hearing a sermon. And, you know, you've always done that. You've done it. I've done it. You've gone to church and you've gone. It's like the angels of heaven prepared this message just for me. I just I just needed yeah. to, to hear this, right? And so there's just something about getting together with other Christians that can really yeah. help motivate you and build you up. And so whilst I'm on this particular vein, uh, before Matt Crew jumps in on the comments, uh, if you uh, would like to join us on a Wednesday evening, uh, join us in our online community. Uh, we have... Um, uh, what's the software called? Zoom. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, we just meet up on Zoom. We catch up. We pray for one another. We share what's going on in life. Uh, if you would like to join into that, um, just head over to the website, www.crowd.church, or reach out to us on social media, and we'll send you the login, uh, the link, the Zoom link, um, so that you can come and join us because community is a powerful thing. And just having people around you uh, is is such a is such a joy and, and can be super, super helpful. So, yeah, because we do know what to do, but we don't always do it. And it's the friends around us, actually, um, mm. that, that can help us with and that. And it's having these friends, because it's one thing to have friends, isn't it? Like, um, and people that care about you around you, but actually having people around you, like a community of other believers, like you called it a mm. fellowship for, I think. And then it, 
that is a slightly different beast because actually they're the people that will speak God's truth to you mm. when you're struggling to believe those truths or when you're struggling to hold on to hope when things seem really hard and bleak. Mm. They're the people that will speak hope into your life and remind you of God's promises and truths and um, and they're the people that will pray for you when you've got nothing left inside of yourself and you perhaps, you know, can't pray about something anymore for yourself. You know, mm. I've had times I'm like, I just can't pray about this anymore. I'm so defeated. Yeah. And friends have got around me and prayed for yeah. me and with me and stood stood alongside me in that season. And that is really powerful. So yeah, yeah. it's it's it I'm a big I'm a big believer in community. Mm. A big fan. It's uh, they say, don't they? That Christianity or faith is not a solo sport. This is a team game. You, you know, this is a beautiful yeah, thing sure. about Christianity. Um, I'm aware, uh, Mrs. Kettle, that we've not even got onto our second question yet. Uh, that's fine. That's okay. Um, <laughs> our second pin question. Uh, Nicholas says that she's been going through quite a tough time lately, and this talk has helped a lot, which is great. Um, thanks for sharing that, uh, wow. Nicola. Appreciate that. Um, if someone is going through a, a tough time, you know, they're watching this and they kind of got, um, you know, they're envisioned, I suppose, um, or there's a there's a glimmer of hope that actually God's God's there and God's good and they can actually weather the crisis. Where do you start? Um, Sorry to slam that one on you. I just <laughs> I know. Small question. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think I think you I think you've already said it in a way, Matt. I mean, I mean. I think a good place to start is talking to some other people of faith, like whether mm. that's linking into the crowd church thing on the Wednesday or just, you know, hitting us up in the week and chatting to someone one-on-one um, and just saying, like, I want to dig into this mm. a bit further or I want someone to pray for me. Or you've got other friends around you who are, you know, um, Christians, you could chat to them. I just think, yeah, sort of doing, doing mm. this in practice, like sharing that. And reaching out to some of the Christians who will stand with you and pray for you is a really good place to start, I think. Obviously, yeah. you can do it directly. Like, we all have a, you know, direct line to God as well. So, open your Bible, mm. you know, just cry out to God right where you are at home. But I just think there's something really valuable about having other people stand with you if you're struggling. It's really yeah. helpful. Yeah, it is. Because sometimes um, God will change the circumstances today. Sometimes... Most of the time, God delivers through. God delivers us through something, uh, and that's not always a quick process. So, um, you know, people around you get you in for the long haul. Uh, and I'm noticing here in the comments, Anna is talking about uh, she's going to miss church on Sundays. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, for those of you watching, going uh, Anna, uh, Anna's pregnant with twins, uh, and so wow. on Friday the twins arrive. Do pray for Anna. Uh, I think it's very, very exciting. Uh, we had dinner together the other day uh, at a at a leaders event, Anna and I. And um, yes, I, 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 all every blessing to you, uh, Love lovely. You, and um, yeah, uh, praying for the the safe delivery. And um, you're going to be a great mum. There's no doubt, right? So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. But do uh, pray for Anna on Friday. Uh, is, yeah, uh, is following along following along in the comments. Um, so Matt's put here, what's happening next week? That's a very good question. Do you remember, Miss Anna, what is happening next week? Uh, do I remember what's happening next week? <laughs> Does my face look like I remember? <laughs> 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 
Matt, did you even tell me what's happening I next did, week? I did. I did tell you what's happening next week because next week uh, is Tony Erding. He's with us. Oh, He's yeah. been on Crowd Church before. He a really good friend of mine, um, Tony. Uh, he is a pastor of Tower Hamlet's Community Church, church down in London. Um, and he is going to be looking actually at the topic of church, which is the next passage of Acts that we're going to go through. What does a vibrant, thriving, growing church actually look like? It's not necessarily what we think it is uh, here in the West. So uh, he's looking at that uh, next week. So do come and join us with that. Um, and if you are in London, do check out Tower Hamlets Community Church. It's a great church with Tony. In fact, I'm, I'm going to be down in London. I'll be traveling back next Sunday morning from London for Tony's cool. 50th. It's his 50th birthday uh, next week. So, cool. uh, yeah, it's going to be good fun with that. So we've got that is next that week. It's your age as well, Matt. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, I'm uh, I'm Julie's in London. I will try. We'll try. Yeah, definitely check out to Hamlet. And when you go there, Julie, uh, tell Tony I said hi. Uh, and um, if you remind me, I'll show you some really embarrassing photos from when I was at university. But another day, another day. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we um, uh, we go back a long way, Tony and I. Uh, we'll do great. Uh, yeah, we go back a long way, Tony and I. And so I'm, I might be approaching fifty. I might be more more on that in April. I think will be the uh, the answer to that question. So yes, uh, and uh, I feel blessed with such a community. That's awesome. You know, I, can, I don't know why I don't do this every week. I can actually add. I've, I've found this little button which lets me put comments uh, on there. Um, so yes, brilliant. Julie's Perhish gonna yeah, we'll do awesome. Well done, Julie. Um, uh, Matt's remain blessed, everyone. I think Matt puts that in every week. Do you just like copy and paste that, Matt? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> and why not? Technology the way it is. Uh, listen, thank you so much for joining us on Crowd Church. It's been absolutely brilliant to be with you. Um, we've got one more little video to play uh, before the live stream ends, but do come join us next week. Make sure you hit the little notification and bell thing. Subscribe to everything that's going on. Uh, it's been great to be with you. Uh, and if you are struggling uh, and you do want to reach out to somebody, one last time, you can reach us at Crowd Church. Do come and join us on a Wednesday night uh, for our online Zoom calls or come join in the live streams. Um, on the website, there's a WhatsApp number which you can also send prayer requests into if you would like us to pray. We would love to do that. Uh, we would love to stand with you and pray with you. So thank you so much for joining us. Anything else from you, Miss Anna, before we go to the final video? I don't think so. Just to say I've really enjoyed tonight. I thought it was a great talk and I'll probably listen back again because I think there's so much good content in it. So yeah, yeah. thanks everyone for lots being here tonight. Lots of notes. Lots and yeah. lots of notes. Uh, with my, I don't know if I can read them, but I've got lots of notes. Uh, yeah, it's been brilliant. Absolutely. So God bless you. Have a fantastic week. I'll see you next week. That's it from both Anna and myself. Uh, bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us here on Crowd Church. Now, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button as well as that little tiny bell notification to get notified the next time we are live. And of course, if you are listening to the podcast, uh, the live stream podcast, make sure you also hit the follow button. Now, by smashing the like button on YouTube or writing a review on your podcast platform. It helps us reach more people with the message that Jesus really does help us live a more meaningful and purposeful life.
So if you haven't done so already, be sure to check out our website, www.crowd.church, where you can learn more about us as a church, more about the Christian faith, and also how to connect into our church community. It has been awesome to connect with you, and you are awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear, and hopefully we'll see you next time. That's it from us. God bless you. Bye for now.